This is a 98FM podcast. Earlier on, I spoke to a woman. Her name is Samim Ali. Um, her story is quite incredible. And uh, she was forced into an arranged marriage. But we start at the very start of her life. Here's Samim Ali. I'm fine, thank you. Now, you have lived, I suppose, reading your story, you have lived about 10 people's lives. But before you tell me, I suppose, how you were taken from Glasgow to Pakistan at the age of 13, before then, Samim, what was your life like up until that age? Um, Well, from um, six months old until I was seven, I lived in a children's home. And I know you won't hear this often. In the children's home, those were the best years of my life. I had routine, I had normality in the children's home. And then um, my family decided to take me home when I was seven years old. And, and from seven years old until um, I was taken to Pakistan, I was um, I was basically a domestic slave. So, Samim, when you arrived to the place, I suppose, that you were going to call home for, for the next so many years, these people, your parents, I suppose, and your family were were, were strangers to you. Yeah, they were all strangers to me. I didn't know anybody there. You know, my mothers, my brothers and sisters, I didn't know anybody. The whole culture was different, you know, and and to be thrown into a culture which you don't understand, you know, and food was was alien to me. I didn't, you know, there was nothing, there was absolutely nothing that I recognised in that house. In the children's home, I was raised as a Christian for the first seven years of my life. So I went to church on a Sunday and um, um, I sang hymns on the way back home. And so, you know, um, that's all I knew up until then. It was completely different to what I had known. So, Samim, when you were taken home, what way were you treated by your family? I was abused very badly because, you know, I didn't know um, the culture, I didn't know the language even, and so every time I got something wrong, I was beaten for it, you know. Uh, and they told me that I needed to quickly learn to cook and clean, and, and um, if I didn't do that properly, I got beaten for it. And so, you know, um, um, there wasn't anything I could do that was right, you know, and they basically used me as a punching bag and it was every day the abuse got to the extent where you know I I was so um had turned about everything you know my stutter came back I used to stutter in the children's home but but I overcome it and mm. so I wouldn't even speak anymore you know I became silent I became absolutely silent by the age of 13 obviously your 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 daily yeah. life was becoming worse were you thinking, is this my lot? Did you just think this is this is what was planned for me? Um, and, and next thing, out of the out of the blue, you heard you were being taken on a holiday to Pakistan. At the age of thirteen, I went on a so-called holiday to Pakistan with my my mother. A few months into the so-called holiday, my mother just put two guys in front of me and said, "Well, which one do you like the look of?" And I just looked and said, I don't really understand what you're saying. I don't know. I don't like any of them. Yeah. And she said, well, well, this one likes you. And so you're going to get married to him. And, you know, I, th- you know, instantly I thought, well, what have I done wrong now? You know, I thought she was punishing me for something that I'd done wrong. And um, I didn't believe her. I really didn't believe her. But seven days later, they turned up and, um, and basically I was... Um, quickly ushered in and, and I was given an old red suit to wear and I wore that suit and the 
the imam came in and said, say these words after me, which, you know, I just mumbled. And yeah. then my mother just said, right, that's it, go with your husband. And do you think that this, she had planned this or do you think it was because you had spoken out in school, said you were abused, then the family had to move to Glasgow and she wanted, she just wanted rid of you in Pakistan? What, what, did you, what, did you, what do you even now believe? Um, looking back at it now, you know, it was because I had spoken out about mm. it, you know, I, I had spoken about the abuse and mm. so, you know, the only way to shut me up was and to actually take me to Pakistan and get me married off so, so I'm somebody else's problem basically and not her mother's problem anymore, you know, and so she did it because, you know, that was the only thing that she thought would um, fix what she thought of as a problem. So off you went at the age of 13. How old was your husband at that stage? Um, he was in his late 20s, as I recall. I can't really talk about what happened over the next three days because I've, you know, um, I've blocked them out. So I really can't talk about that. That's, that's, that's absolutely okay. fine, but you must have been completely terrified. Um, yes, terrified to the point where, you know, I tried to commit suicide when I got back. Now, you, you were told you were, you were only allowed to return if you became pregnant. That was the proviso that you were allowed home under, yes? Yeah, I was. I was told that I need to get pregnant and I, I didn't really know what pregnant was. I, you know, I just prayed as hard as I could. I just said, I want to get pregnant. I just don't know how. I just want to get pregnant and I was you know I was that naive you know I wasn't you know a street kid or anything I didn't know what pregnant was yeah soon afterwards my mother said right okay you're pregnant now she knew when I was pregnant and so she brought me back to England and why did she want you so badly to be pregnant to me um I think it was because she thought that you know having a child might might fix my behaviour and also, you know, the guy who I had married married as well, he wanted a British-born child so it would make it easier for him to come to the country. If he had a child in the country as well, you know, it would have made it easier for him to come over. So you returned at that stage um, to, to Britain with with your mother and without your husband? Yes, I, yes, I did because he wasn't allowed to come to the this country anyway because I was underage and and um, an underage mother he um, he had to wait until I was 17 anyway and so I came back to Britain and um, nobody asked any questions I was pregnant at the age of 13 I went to all my GP appointments and hospital appointments and I gave birth to a baby boy at the age of 14 and um, nobody asked me any questions So you went to your GP visit. Was a parent or was a brother with you all of the time when you went for your visits? I I was always accompanied by somebody, except on the day I gave birth to my baby. I wasn't accompanied by anybody then, but I, um, I was always accompanied. So you felt you couldn't say anything. What is it? Or was it back then, I know arranged marriages, excuse me, <clears throat> happened and happened, but is it something that, that was just swept under the carpet, that people knew it happened, they didn't want to question? Or why, why did nobody ask why a 13-year-old was pregnant? 
I really don't know. And it wasn't um, an arranged marriage, it was a forced marriage. Mm. And there is a difference in between arranged and forced. Okay. You know, arranged is, it, it, um, is basically, you know, it's fine with me, you know, it works out because both parties consent to it. Okay. But forced is when, you know, I really didn't want to go through it. And so it, it was a forced marriage. Um, to answer your question, um, I think a lot of people didn't want to open the can of worms. A lot of people just thought, well, it happens in that community, in that culture. So, you know, let's um, let it be. And that's what happened, really. No, nobody, I wouldn't have told anybody um, off my own accord. If somebody had asked me, I would have blurted everything out. But nobody asked me any questions. So, Samim, you give birth to your son at the age of 14. Um, what happened then? Yeah. Um, well, um, he started getting abused as well, you know, and that really broke my heart. You know, over the next couple of years, my mother started beating him because he weed his pants and all that kind of stuff. And mm. um, I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to escape somewhere. But... I didn't know where and how and, yeah. you know, are the services out there. There wasn't anything, uh, you know, that I thought I could do until um, a family friend came over to save with us in the house and he saw what was happening to me. And he said that he wants to look after me. And he said, look, you know, I really want to look after you. And so I'm leaving for Manchester. Why don't we, you know, go together and, you know, bring your son with you and stuff. And so that's what I did. I ran away from home. At the age of 18, I picked up my son and, and just ran um, wow. away with him. Um, but then a few months later, the police came knocking on my, on my door. Okay. Not a few months, sorry, a few weeks later. Right. The police came came knocking on my door and said that they want to see if we're safe. And I said, what's it all about? And he said, well, you know, we've arrested your brother because he had sent... Um, three people down to kidnap me or kill me and he he paid them 50 pounds each that was the price on my head 50 pounds each because what you had broken me. because it was like an honor killing was it or or something like this they, they just wanted you out of the way because you had disgraced the family yeah i had you know disgraced the family and and so he wanted to put it right and so he sent people down to kill me basically and I think if the police had never caught them, then I would be six feet under by now. You know, I wouldn't be alive today. Um, um, I know, and I knew what he was capable of. You know, he wouldn't, you know, he would have killed me because I had run away from home. I had, you know, taken it, it upon myself and to leave the family and, and actually, you know, disgrace the family. And so in their eyes, that was, you know, it wasn't in, in my eyes, but... And that's the way it happens sometimes. You know, if you disgrace the family, you pay with it with your life. Samim, it seems quite incredible. Now, your story, but just to go back for a second, it seems quite incredible that you could be living in, in a family home, you gave birth uh, to your son at 14. What about the neighbourhood, the place that you lived? Was it a completely, was it like a closed community where everybody just looked out for each other? Did people not interfere? Mm -hmm. What went on? Well, it was a very close-knit community. Everybody knew what everybody else was doing, but they didn't talk about it. You know, everybody knew 
my mother took me to Pakistan and got me married and, and I was pregnant, but nobody would dare talk about it. Nobody would, you know, they wouldn't, um, they wouldn't come and help because it meant that they would, they would, you know, dishonor the community. And it's the same people who, who would actually, you know, keep an eye on you. And if you did leave or if you, if you did something out of character, well, it's those people who would go and tell your family. So you were really, really scared of making any move, really, you know, um, within a very tight knit, you know, um, um, family and community, you know, you know, there's people out there watching all the time. You know, yes, sometimes yeah. I would be walking down the road and and my scarf would come off my head and I would go home and my brother would beat me silly. He uh, And then I would think, how did he find out that my scarf had fallen off my head at that moment? Somebody in the community had told him. Unbelievable. And so, you know, and that's, uh, um, and that's how intense it gets, you know. There's, you know this is your brother, would, did you say your brother would do this to you? Yeah. Yeah. Is is it now not in all families because we can't paint everybody with the, or tar everybody with the same brush but is it like that a lot are are men um the rulers and and women are very submissive in in that type of of circumstance. Women can be very strong in their own right but it's you know it it's the men who are the rulers of the honor code if if I want to put it like that you okay. know they they, um, um, they're the ones who who actually go out in the community, and they're the ones who are going to listen to to um, the talk from the other guys in the community. So, if your daughter or your son has been been out of character or done something wrong, then it's the guys that get to know about it, and so you don't do anything out of character because because you know the women um, hold. Um, hold as much, you know, responsibility as well because the women need to start talking out. They need to say, well, enough is enough, actually. You know, um, this is how we want to actually rewrite the honour code, you know, and do something about it now. But Absolutely. Now, who's brave enough to do that? What event, did anything, were charges uh, taken against your brother, Samin? Um, yes, there were. He went down for four years. He was put in jail for four years for um, conspiracy to kidnap. Um, do you have you broken all ties with your family now? I did. Um, um, I did for that fifteen years. I broke all ties because I needed that that amount of time to actually heal. You know, and I'm really glad that I broke those, those ties. It was really hard at the time. It was very hard because that's all I knew. And yeah. and you know, that kind of tug was there that I, I wanted to go back. But I knew that if I did my son would not be safe and I think it was my son's kind of, you know, my um, um, maternal instinct that said no, you know, and um, I couldn't go back because of my son. I really couldn't cut him through what I went through. You are now happily married to uh, the man who actually came to your family home to rescue you. Yes, I am. Which is which is which is a, a really a, a, a lovely story. Um, Samim, now you have written a book and you're involved as well, um, and you're sharing your story for the new initiative Glasgow Life. And uh, so, what exactly are you yeah. doing, Samim? Well, basically, I've written my story, and it's called um, it's called um, Belonging. Um, and um, in Glasgow, um, they have um, 
have brought in um, in legislation to to um, make the breach of a forced marriage protection order a criminal offence, which you know I support wholly Absolutely. because. Um, young people now can get out and order. Um, there's a lot of, of help out there now for young people. And one way is, is by using a forced marriage protection order. And it can, um, basically, young people can write it up themselves and it can say on it that I want my passport confiscated because I feel my mother's going to take me out of the country. And so the courts basically can confiscate the passport but if the family then go over the heads of the court and actually take the young person out they can be be arrested for that and actually charged with the offences committed and so I went into Glasgow and to launch their toolkit for them which which is a guidance and to to help in cases of forced marriage for young people. Well, look, Samim, your your story is um, is incredible. Uh, as, uh, you've just overcome so much in your life, and and you are now. Um, Thank you. You know, you, you really have. It's, it is quite incredible, and you're in such a better place now, and and uh, you're in a happy family, which is of course what you deserve. Look, Samim, Samim Ali, it's been really lovely, lovely talking to you. Thank you. You've been listening to a ninety eight FM podcast. Download more at ninety eight FM dot com.